Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Good evening, everybody. Let's begin. Glad to see you, and you came out in the rain tonight. It's a nice summer rain out there. This quarter, we're, we're talking about the Godhead. We're talking about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Last week, we spent time talking about the Trinity. And most of what I want to do in my part of this quarter is to talk about the Holy Spirit. So we'll have about a half a dozen classes together, and uh, almost all of it's going to be about the Holy Spirit. Tonight I want to talk about the personality of the Spirit, which is something I really enjoy. In some cases in the church, we have distanced ourselves from talking too much about the Holy Spirit. Now somebody tell me why you think that's true. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, some of it's complicated, and, and there are things about the Spirit. He said it's because we don't understand Him, and there are things about the Spirit that we, uh, we can't come to a firm conclusion about sometimes. I'm sure that's true. Tom? Hmm. Tom said that sometimes... The, the false teachings about the Spirit make us keep a distance uh, from talking about Him at all, and I, I'm sure that's true. Somebody else? Yeah, there's controversy attached to the discussions about the Holy Spirit, and, and frankly, quite a lot, and there's just a massive amount of confusion about the Holy Spirit, and so I, I'm quite sure you're right. I'm quite sure that has kept us a lot of times from talking about him. Interesting point. Brother James said that, that 50 years ago in our college lectureships, you would have much teaching about the Holy Spirit, and we don't, we don't do that anymore. You know, isn't that interesting? I haven't thought about it that way, but uh, Brother, Brother Nichols... And Brother Woods would debate. Brother Camp would, would have these discussions about how the Holy Spirit indwells us. You were there. You just forgot because you're so... It's okay, James. It's all right. I wasn't there either. I wonder if a, a more benign reason is could could be that Unlike the Father and the Son, you don't have the Holy Spirit engaged in the kinds of conversations that you do with the other two, right? I mean, there, there is a difference in the work of them. You have, you have open, opening Genesis, and it's God the Father who speaks and says, In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Or to Cain, if you do well. There's a very pastoral kind of a fatherly approach that God makes to Cain. 
If you do well, you'll be accepted. If not, sin lies at the door. When Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, and you know where that's found, he went up on a mountain and he sat down and he taught them, saying, and you have this, this talk. But that's not how you have it with the Holy Spirit. It is true that the Holy Spirit speaks, 1 Timothy 4.1, and we're going to talk about that passage in a little bit, but we don't have record of personal conversations. But having said that, it seems tragic to me that we would be attached to and love two personalities in the Trinity, but not the third, merely because we have to look a little deeper to see the personality of the Spirit. If I ask you this question, how would you answer it? Do you love the Holy Spirit? Yes, but you have to know enough about Him to really love Him, don't you? Do you long to see Him? I know the answer about Jesus. Do you long to see the Son? Yes. Do you long to see the Father? Yes. Do you sometimes think about seeing the Spirit? Perhaps not. Maybe that's because it's easy for me to use my imagination. I've done it many times. I I can imagine what it will be like to be with Jesus. As a matter of fact, when I eat the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, and I've been doing this for decades, I picture him. You picture him, don't you? You've got a mental image. And you do about the Father, at least in some way, a picture in your mind, a portrayal of what the Father must look like. But the Spirit, different. Also, much of the Trinity is too deep for us to grasp. We know a lot from the Word of God. Who would deny that one member of the Godhead is viewed differently? Not just in his role, but in our affection for him. There are three persons, we we spent our class period last week talking about this, three persons who bear the credentials or qualities which define one as being God. When we're baptized in Matthew 28 and 18, the Great Commission, we're baptized, this is important, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's huge. To put a human in that list would be blasphemous, right? To be put to put a person in there that somehow was diminished from being where the Father and the Son is would be blasphemous. But the Spirit wasn't beneath them. The Spirit is eternal, Hebrews nine fourteen. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, He's eternal. And the Spirit is God. Last week, I asked for a passage that would demonstrate this. Keith raised his hand and said, Acts 5, verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? And then this lie. Now, he's already said that the lie was to the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, and then Peter says, you have not lied unto men, but unto God. You could just draw a straight line. He lied to the Holy Spirit, and he said that he had lied to God. I'm not here tonight to defend God the Spirit. He's God. I'm here merely to educate us about the attributes of his personality. There are five attributes of personality in the Holy Spirit. Number one. 
The Holy Spirit is God who has a mind and is divinely brilliant. I wish I could say that bigger. You'll understand what I mean as we go through this. The Holy Spirit has a mind, Romans 8, 27. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He's got a mind. That indicates that he has knowledge. He knows the Father better than anyone, and he reveals the Father to us. And that draws us to him. We love him for what he does for us. Without him, I wouldn't have the pathway to heaven illuminated. I know, I know how to be pleasing to God and go to heaven because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. It's not talking about heaven. It's talking about the Bible. But God has revealed them unto us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now that's important. What do you owe to the Holy Spirit? And the answer is, whatever you know about the will of God, you know because the Holy Spirit did his work. And he has a will. He has a mind and he has a will. And so 1 Corinthians twelve eleven says, But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. There you are. He's a person. He has a mind. He is brilliant. And he has a will. You cannot measure the brilliance and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, compared to ours, the Holy Spirit is galaxies away from us. He is He is worthy of our awe because, for example, 2 Peter 1.21, prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, we've come a long way as humans on this little planet of ours in communication. And right now, I'm talking and and we're having this communication together, but the very idea that from Heaven, the Holy Spirit, could communicate to inspired men, and then they could write those things down. Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 that that he communicated in words, and we'll talk some more about that, but he communicated to them in words, and they wrote it down, and they were inspired because of the revelation of the Holy Spirit. The first attribute that I want to talk about in his personality is that he has a mind, he has a will, he is brilliant in his power and his ability to communicate to people. Number two, the Holy Spirit who is God is a teacher. The Holy Spirit's a teacher. Here's John 3 verses verses 1 and 2. You're familiar with this passage. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God because no man can do these things that you do except God be with him. Jesus was a teacher. He was rabbi. 
The Spirit is also a teacher. Here's John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything I've said to you. How about that? To those disciples, he said, the Spirit will teach you all things. So again, here's, here's God coming down to Mount Sinai and thunderings and lightnings gave the Ten Commandments. Jesus came up on the mountain and he sat down, Matthew 5 through 7. The Spirit is called the Comforter. What kind of teacher is he? He's the Comforter. Those disciples in John chapter 14, disciples of Jesus, were troubled. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, and I'm going to go and to prepare a place for you, and I'll come again. And what he did then was to send the Comforter, that's the Holy Spirit, who would guide them into all the truth. He would teach them and bring to their remembrance all things Jesus had said. So here's John 14 and verse 12. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He he would guide them into all the truth. I can remember when I was in elementary school, my favorite teachers. Some of them, I cannot remember their names and I cannot remember their faces. But then there are others that I can remember their names distinctly. And I, so I, I really fully intended to marry my fourth grade teacher. She already had a husband. That was really mean. But it was because of the way that she treated the children and the way that she communicated to us and, and she loved us. Isn't it interesting that the teacher who is the Holy Spirit was called by Jesus the comforter. He was the comforter. He's a precise teacher. So 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 13 that I referenced a while ago, Paul said, these things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches or the Holy Spirit teaches. It's really important to talk about the inspiration of Scripture, and it's very important that that Scripture be communicated in words. Why, why is that true? Somebody tell me that. Why, why is it important that the New Testament be communicated in precise words? Yes. With the precision of the words is understanding. Um, what about, what if, what if Scripture was handed down like folk, folklore? I think that's excellent. He's just saying, he's saying that the, the fact that we got Scripture from the Holy Spirit and the words which the Holy Spirit teaches, the words, the precision, is that it adds longevity to being able to hold on to the truth. We can hold on to the truth because it's in words and not in folklore, not just word, 
of mouth, one, one generation to the next. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Now we're talking about the personality of the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying that the second thing is that he's a teacher. But the kind of teacher he is. He's the comforter. He is a guide. He is a precise teacher. He speaks in words. And this passage says that when the Spirit spoke, he would speak expressly. Now the Spirit speaks expressly. Then in latter times, some would depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, that was a strong warning. And your New Testament has a lot of strong warnings. How important is it that the Spirit speaks expressly? How important is it that he speaks in words? Not, not with man's wisdom, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. He speaks in words. He speaks with clarity. Today, sometimes people take these verses, like in John 16, that were written to the apostles about how the Spirit would come and guide them into all the truth. And, and they mistakenly, people mistakenly will, will apply those to us as if we have them today. We don't. We don't. The inspired writers did, and they wrote those things down, and we have them because of the Holy Spirit. But I don't have any miraculous knowledge. Whatever I've got is, is from the Holy Spirit, but it didn't come directly. I had to study it, read it and study it to learn it. But because it's written, and by the way, when Jesus in Matthew 4 was tempted of the devil, he said this, it is written. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, Christians put those verses together, and what you have is a teacher, the comforter, who is our guide, but who is very precise, because that's terribly important. I, I don't really enjoy reading the writings of lawyers. And for those of you in the room who are lawyers, I'm sorry, it's just the truth. But you take legalese, and, and unless you're trained in that, you have to read it over and over again to get it. Now, that's not altogether bad, because what they want to do is to produce a document that will stand up in court. It needs to be very, very precise. And if you, if you hang around a lawyer sometimes, he, he'll be able to talk or she'll be able to talk in language that's just common like you and I have, but they don't write like that. Because they understand a difference. How we, just, how we talk in conversation is a lot looser than what they will do. It's just interesting that the Holy Spirit is such a great teacher. And that he emphasizes the importance of precision in what he says. The Spirit speaks expressly. The Spirit speaks in words. In words. And no wonder he's called our comforter. Who wants to make a comment here?
What Carrie is saying is that these verses, which say that the Spirit speaks in words, he speaks expressly, he speaks with clarity and not ambiguity, he speaks clearly, uh, is, is contrary to a common notion that the Spirit communicates to people today through feelings. So, so prominent is that opinion about the Spirit that, that Christians who believe these verses, the truth about the Holy Spirit, may start to feel like they're a little less than spiritual. You know, maybe we're not really, maybe we really don't have the spirituality that they have because the Spirit, and I don't know, they, they have something that we don't, but that's not true. And it's very troubling to me when we get confused about the, the, the communication of the Holy Spirit. When you say that the Holy Spirit communicates to us apart from the Word, you, you, you cross a line that you don't really mean to cross. You, you don't really mean to cross it, but you do when you say that. Now tell me, tell me what, what, what would, what's about that. Why is that true, Tom? What Tom is saying, if I just can distill that down and compress it, I think you, your point is excellent, and that words are the ways by which humans communicate precision things, precise, important things, and, and that that's how God's Word has to be communicated, is through words. If it was communicated through feelings, there would of necessity be an ambiguity about it. Now, we, we don't want that in important things. You imagine that from your from your doctor. I took my mother to the doctor this afternoon, and he spoke in very precise terms. Imagine him talking about his feelings. You know, or you go to your pharmacist, you know, and you say, uh, how, how do you feel about the dosage of this? Well, I understand there may be something, but, you, you know, you're, what you want to know is the straight about this, right? I want to know. And when you talk about something, when I go to the bank, I'm that way. I... I just never have liked to say, what's my balance? And the ladies say, I feel like you have about this much, Mr. Colley. Well, that's just real nice. You know, that's real nice. But what I would like is the number amount, right? Dead to the penny, if you don't mind. That's what I'd like to know. Well, when you talk about your eternal soul, the very idea that, that we wouldn't have it in words. But the Bible says we do. The Bible says the Spirit communicates expressly and in words. And that's what we've got to have. And praise God, that's what it is. When you say... I'm going to throw this out again. 
When you say that the Spirit communicates to us separate and apart from the Word, what's the consequence of that, Keith? Okay, good. The consequence, and it is what I mean. When I say you don't mean what, what, uh, what that statement implies, uh, the consequence of that is that there is a weakness in the Bible. That's right. You're implying that 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 is not true because 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says that the Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that's God the Spirit, and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished to every good work. You know, when I was in college, sometimes we would, in Greek class, we'd talk about universal statements. And a universal statement would be one like is used there. Every good work doesn't leave any room for anything else. Now try to interject that that in addition to the Scripture, the Holy Spirit communicates to us in different nuances or, or feelings or, or things that we can't really put our finger on. But, you know, you, know, you, you just crossed a line. There's a line that, that really challenges whether or not the Bible is what Paul said it was in that passage. Yeah, John, that's good. Keith said, John 12 and 48, He that rejects me and receives not my word has one that judges him. The word which I speak, Jesus said, the same shall judge him in the last day. And that's not feelings. That's different, that's different from feelings. Yes, sir. We wouldn't. But, but Glenn, what happens, of course, is that we put this in a religious context. And we take verses about the Holy Spirit... And, and him communicating in the first century by inspiration, and we somehow work those around to us. Is it true? Uh, let, me, let me finish that. Let's set that aside. It is true that the Holy Spirit inspired men to write your Bible. That's the truth. And he did so in words. It's for that reason that you have 1,600 years and 40 different writers, and yet it all fits together. It's because it had one author. One Holy Spirit who gave it to the inspired writers. Um, if, we, if we put religion to it and we say that, that something apart from the Scripture, the Spirit separate from the Scripture is inspiring men today, that we have some of those things today, you, you come into a realm of ambiguity, you lose the precision of knowing what the Spirit said. You also create the confusion because some people get it and some people don't, right? You also create contradiction because obviously in in Christendom tonight, you have people who have all different viewpoints, all of whom in, in the crowd I'm talking about believe the Holy Spirit guides them separate from the Word in some way. It's not that I that I want to think less of the Holy Spirit. On the contrary, I love him. I just don't believe he communicates that way today. And I think that 
it crosses a line that's fraught with, with danger. I don't believe the Bible teaches it. Is it a true statement that we are led? Now listen, don't answer quickly. Are we led by the Holy Spirit today? Of course we are. Of course we are. That isn't the question. We are. That's a given. The question is, how? And the answer is, we're, we're guided by the Holy Spirit through the Word. That's, that's what. We're guided by the Holy Spirit through the Word. All right, somebody else. Anybody else? I don't mean, I'm not laughing at you. I think that's a neat, a neat uh, uh, observation. Uh, he, said, he said that in Acts 8, when, when, the, when Stephen came and a, approached the chariot, the, the eunuch's chariot, he didn't do that because he had a feeling that he might ought to go over there and do that. He did it because the Spirit said, go join yourself to this chariot, right? And there was clarity about that. He used words to communicate that. Gary. That's a great point. So the, the point is that, that if I am led, if I believe that I'm led by the Spirit through feelings, and maybe, maybe people wouldn't rephrase it that way, I don't know, but um, through some way other than the written word, then uh, isn't it possible that I'm hearing the wrong voice? I, I, that, that surely has to be true, that that's possible. And then that's pretty frightening. Somebody else? Yes, sir. Okay, so again, I haven't thought about it in those terms, but I like that. You know, um, endless contradictions and mindless contradictions. Uh, and it becomes very difficult to discern truth from error, doesn't it? If we cross that line, by what standard? I, I'm led by the Spirit. And, and I'm led by the... It's kind of funny, you know, there's a, there's a difference. I, I go to the hospital... And I visit someone. Was I led by the Spirit to do that? Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, but, not, but not in a mystical way. You know, I, I'm, I'm led to, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And to keep, keep myself unspotted from the world. Because that's what James says, right? And, and there will be lots of applications of that. And we, you and I live the Christian life as we make application of those words. That's different from saying, I just go to the hospital and I don't know where I'm going to go. I just say, Spirit, take me where you want me. And get in the elevator, you know. And, right? Well, let's see, that would be different. That would be different. Good comments. Gary. The comforter what? Oh, yes, yes. 
That's very interesting. Gary said that of the five times where that Greek word for helper or comforter is found, only once is it applied to Jesus. And it has the idea of one who would come alongside you and, and perhaps even a legal aspect to that. Of course, Jesus is our advocate, uh, but that it's used to the Holy Spirit four times. And um, that's very interesting. And it's very comforting, isn't it? It's a good point. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Lavardo. Does everybody know Lavardo? Lavardo's brand new. He and Kiki back there. Uh, they've just moved here, and they're Christians, and we're glad to see you. All right, now you can speak. What Lovardo asked was, if you're going to make a big decision in your life, such as moving somewhere, and that's what you just did, and, and would it be appropriate to pray uh, to make the right decision? And, and uh, would that be an example of the Spirit guiding us separate from the Word? Uh, I don't believe that it would. It would be, it would be um, an expression of what James said when he said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. So speaking in biblical terms, it would be appropriate to say, Father, give me wisdom to make this decision about this move. Um, but I wouldn't say, Spirit, guide me in this move. And maybe, maybe that sounds a lot alike, but, but biblically it's not. It's different. And uh, all the ways that God guides us with his wisdom, I do not know. I know that we pray for wisdom. I know that when we study the scripture, we grow in wisdom. Um, I know that when we are around people who have wisdom, that we glean it from them. That would be different. I think to say the spirit then would guide us separate from the scripture creates the kind of confusion that we've been talking about, James. I like the, the fact that you brought that up. Would it be um, similar to, to asking for God's providence and for us to seek and follow his will? My father and I were talking today about Hebrews 1.14 and about the angels. And the Bible says that these are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who are Christians. And, and what, what's that about? You know, and that's an interesting discussion it's my, my judgment. The best I can say is that God's providential care for us is carried out through those angels. Don't ask me any more questions about that. I, that's as, much as, my, as far as my opinion goes. Um, but what I want to say is that the fact that the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us apart from the Word doesn't mean that God is not operating in our world. 
And we, we wouldn't say that. Prayer is effective. And God, I do not always know the ways that God carries out his providential will. But that doesn't diminish the fact that I believe he does. That's really God's business. Gary. That's a great point. Gary said that in James 4, uh, you know, if, if boast not yourself about tomorrow, you don't know what tomorrow will bring forth. And if the Lord, we should say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this or that. Doesn't that imply God's involvement in our lives? And, and just how is all that carried out? Well, I, I don't really know. Uh, but, but I do know this. The Holy Spirit speaks expressly. The Holy Spirit speaks in words. The Holy Spirit inspired men to write the New Testament. And if you want to go to heaven, you need to study the New Testament. Anybody else? Number three. The Holy Spirit is God who loves me. Now, John 3.16, the Father loves us. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, Jesus says. I want you to love one another. But the Spirit loves you too. Romans 15, 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the, through the, love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Paul petitions them through the love of the Spirit. And I think that love is evidenced in many ways. You you think about Matthew 4, for example. Why did the Spirit lead Jesus to be tempted in the wilderness? Well, you could make speculations about that, but I would say this for sure. He did it for us. We needed a Savior who was tempted in all points, such as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15. We needed a Savior who had been through what we go through. He loves us. Now here's number four. The Holy Spirit who is God is good. Romans 2.4 says the Father is good. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. The Old Testament over and over again in the Psalms is just filled with observations about the goodness of God. 23.6, 25.7, 27.13. 31.19, 33.5, Jesus went about doing good, Acts 10, verse 38, but the Holy Spirit is good too. Here's Nehemiah 9, verse 20, you also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Galatians 5 says that we ought to walk in the spirit, to walk after the spirit, What do you reckon happens to a man when he walks after the Spirit? Not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What happens to him? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And one more thing. You you walk after the Spirit and you'll, you'll miss hell. 
Romans 8 and verse 1. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Number five. This is my last one. The Holy Spirit, who is God, can feel pain. Now, the whole class tonight is about the fact that he's a person. He's a thinking, brilliant person. Uh, He has a mind. He's a teacher. He speaks in words. He's good. And he can feel pain. The Bible talks about God's pain sometimes. Genesis 6, 6, it repented the Lord, he made man. John eleven thirty five 35 says Jesus wept. He felt pain. In Ephesians 4, 30, the Bible says that we should grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. He can be grieved. That, that Greek word means distress or sorrow or heaviness. Did you ever have anybody to really hurt you? Can you remember right now how that felt? Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be vexed. Now, we don't use this word very much. It's, it's, um, it means to, to fabricate or fashion in a bad sense like it's used here. It means worry or pain or anger. He can be vexed. Isaiah 63.10, Israel rebelled and they vexed his Holy Spirit. He can be insulted. Hebrews 10.29, how much worse... Of how much worse punishment do you suppose he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? Another translation says, outraged the Spirit of grace. Insulted. I wish we had more time, and maybe we'll take time in one of our classes to talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Just a second. Matthew twelve thirty one says that we can blaspheme against the Holy Spirit and for that there is no forgiveness. That's an interesting discussion and we'll have that soon. I know that's my last bell. Do you love the Holy Spirit? I understand that he's not, he doesn't fulfill the same role as the Father or the Son, but he is God and one day we're going to be with him in eternity forever and ever. Thank you for being here. God bless you. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.